Thank you very much, Margaret. I don't really think I need add anything to that at all. Unfortunately, Sue Carrington can't be with us today, which is why I was asked to step in and speak this morning. Please would you keep the Carrington family in your prayers this week as Emma has to go into hospital in Norfolk. It's a huge wrench for the family. Should we just pray for them now? Father, we entrust Sue and Graham, Rachel, Sam, Jake, and especially Emma to you. Please be with them, Lord. May they know your love and protection deep in their hearts and be able to trust that your plan for each one of them cannot be thwarted but will come to fruition. Father, please take away any fear and give them your peace. May your joy override sadness as Emma leaves them for a while. And now, Lord, please be with me as I speak this morning. May my words and our thoughts be acceptable to you. Amen. Margaret read from Romans about the gifts that we are given to enrich our service to God and his people. In Ephesians 4, we read again, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 15. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Jesus said, We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind and soul, and our neighbour as ourselves. I remember when, as a child, I first heard the passage that Margaret read. I thought, hmm, I can be an encourager, or as Johnny Abbott put it last week, I can affirm people. Or another gift, if you are called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and respond quickly. Yes, I can do that. So I was excited that there was a job for me in the kingdom, a way for me to love God back, to serve him. Just as we all show our love to people by those little acts of kindness that we do, a note, a flower, a cup of tea. When I was a child, I was painfully shy. I didn't speak to anyone. I remember one Christmas, our family was invited to a village party. I didn't know anyone except on a good morning, Mrs. Gray basis. And here I was expected to speak to people. It was so excruciatingly embarrassing. Thank you, Chris. Suddenly I saw a way out. I started collecting cups and plates and made a hasty retreat to the sanctuary of the kitchen. Here I knew what to do. Here I was at home and comfortable. 
And I could be part of the conversation, even saying a few words now and then like, is there a dry cloth? Ever since that day, I have found that by helping out, you quickly make friends and become one of the team. I am sure you would all agree and have experienced that sense of belonging, being one of the family. That's how I overcame my shyness and incidentally how I found my ministry. Do you know where you fit? What God's plan is for you? Do you recognize the gifts that God has given you? He doesn't want our ability. He wants our availability. I did the online five-fold ministry quiz, which suggests where you are most comfortable serving, your main motivation for ministry. And I'm sure that you can all guess how it turned out for me. Pastoral care was one of the top motivators for me. And how blessed I am now to be part of the pastoral team in Burlington. When I came to this church, I was a little sad. I came from River of Life in Felixstowe, where we had been fully involved in many things. We were leading the children's work there, involved in the prayer ministry, leading a house group. But we felt it was time to move to a church nearer our home in Ipswich. I knew that as I grew older, I wouldn't want to be traveling up and down to Felixstowe. But I wondered if I was now coming into a different phase of my life. Was I to retire from active service? Was there still something for me to do? Inevitably, we lose some friends when we move. Would I find friends and deep Christian family relationships in Ipswich? It soon became clear that this church believes in the priesthood of all believers and makes room for everyone to be involved and to use their gifts. As Simon, our pastor, says, we need everyone. There is so much Burlington wants to do, could do, if we had more help. My sadness at leaving River of Life soon turned to joy as I found my place here and I got stuck in to work. I felt fulfilled serving here. I don't see myself as the sort of person that wants to do the top job, but I will do my bit. Chris and I began at Burlington by doing simple things. My first service was in the kitchen, washing up and making coffee. Then I helped with some admin. I firmly believe that if we are faithful and willing to serve in the small things, then the Lord will open more doors for us. God has given each one of us talents and we are expected to use them to serve him. Jesus taught us that in the parable of the talents. Do you ever feel lonely on the edge of things? Do you feel that you're not really part of the community? Please come and talk to us. Doris wanted to do a new job for the Lord. Please come and tell us what happened.
It doesn't matter if you use that one. Hello, everybody. Nice to be here, up here, and be strong. (laughs) Well, I was here one day, and I wanted to do something for God. So I had a prayer with him, and he answered my prayer. And I was one of the, the, um, what they call them? One of the stewards asked me if I'd like to collect, take the collection, and I was so pleased. So I've been on taking the collection. And another time, when I came out of my back door, I went into the garden, and I happened to turn round, and I saw Jesus, God, in the, in the boat. And I turned round, and I saw his face, which was lovely. I shall never forget it. And also another time, when I was very young, in Sunday school, we had a photo taken on the beach with my twin sister and I, and I would like you to see it on the screen. We're, we're, we're wearing, we're wearing we're, my sister and I are wearing straw hats, so you, can you see? No, it's upside down. <laughs> It's all right, it's okay. It's okay. okay. Oh, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Can't get it right. Oh, there it is, look. That's that's me at the front. No, I'm at the back, and my sister at the front. And Jean Cobb, what used to live in Elliott Street. I don't know the other people's names. No. They were happy times. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for Our church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the willing hearts and hands of many who serve and give their time, talent and treasure to make Burlington what it is. We are born to serve God, the people he puts alongside us. We have all experienced that feel-good factor of being able to help someone. Last week, I got a phone call from a very excited person. She said, Jane, I have something really exciting to tell you. So we met for a coffee, and this is her story. She wants to remain anonymous, so Chris is going to read her words. She writes, I always went to the 6.30 a.m. prayers each month until my hearing became too bad and I couldn't hear anymore. I had had my hearing test and was waiting for hearing aids to be ready. In the service sheet on Sunday, I read that the 6.30 prayers were that week, but I decided not to go because I still didn't have the aids. On Monday, I had a call to say there had been a cancellation and I could pick up my new hearing aid. On Thursday morning, I got out for my usual sports session. I was happily 
getting on with my fitness routine when I felt the Lord telling me to go to the church. The feeling was so strong that I knew I must go. I thought God wanted me to go to the prayer meeting and I had no excuse now as I had my hearing aids. I was 10 minutes late getting there, but there was no one else around. I didn't realize the prayer meeting had been canceled. I thought, oh well, I'm here now. I'll go into the church and pray by myself. I sat quietly, but nothing came to me. You asked me to come, Father. What do you want me to pray for? I waited, and then God spoke to me. I want you to clean the ovens. I thought, if that's what you want me to do, Father, I'd better get on with it. It was lunch club that day, so the oven needed to be finished in time. As I cleaned the ovens, all sorts of thoughts were going round in my mind. The oven was nice and clean on the outside, but the inside was dirty. I thought that our bodies are nice and clean outside, Inside, we're not always quite so clean. We're sinful things we say and think and do. I think sometimes we need a good spring clean to clean our hearts, thoughts and minds for God. Half an hour later, Paul Thompson arrived for a meeting, although it was meant to be his day off. He was surprised to see me there at 7.10, cleaning the oven. (laughs) Guess who told me to come and do it, I asked. Was it God, Paul asked? I felt so blessed that God had asked me to do this task for him. He chose me to do something he knew about. That's special. There are so many ways in which we can serve in the life of this church, locally or further afield. With so many teams to join, there is something for everyone. Our vision is to be a church on mission, loving each other and reaching out to our neighbour in the widest meaning of that word. If you are now thinking to yourself, here we go again, same old, same old, or if I'm preaching to the converted, then please bear with me. Perhaps you can be one of those who reaches out to those who do not feel fulfilled, who don't feel they belong. Perhaps you can help others to find their way. Whatever age or stage of life you are in, there is a place for you to belong, to grow, and to contribute. God's heart is family. He invites us into his family, and we are asked to invite others to sow seeds. As we know, you can't reap a harvest if you don't sow the seeds. We can change the world, one person at a time. Burlington is passionate about connecting people to Christ, to their God-given purpose and life-giving relationships. Our desire is for everyone to be planted in the kingdom of God and to flourish in every area of life. As Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. We were not born to live small, contained existence, always wishing that life could be different. 
we are born to live an expansive, fulfilling life. You are born to realize your true value. You are born to make a difference, no matter what your circumstances are. And what's more, it's never too late. After all, we have the Spirit of God living in us, and we can move mountains. Just as Jack expects to do. Where are you? There you are. Where is Jack expects to do? Please come and tell us about how you feel about service to God. I wrote something down and then I realised it wasn't quite what Jane was hoping for, but we'll see how it goes. Um, so Jane asked, uh, sent me a text saying, um, asking me to explain how and why I choose to serve, which meant that I had to ask myself the question, do I actually serve? <laughs> um, so I'm going to be really honest, and the answer is yes, but a lot of the time my service is self-serving. Even the seemingly sacrificial things that I do for other people are often in the hope of reaping some benefit for myself. But when I sat down last night, a bit too late, because I procrastinate, to write this down and think about what I wanted to say and what was on my heart for serving, I was taken straight to Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, and it's in, um, it's in the message version, and I paraphrased it a bit, so don't stone me. Um, but it says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status of God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. And I've heard that time and time again. I've heard that all my life. Um, and I think it was only about four or five months ago that the weight of that, those few verses, really sunk in. So I was doing a, a six-month course. It's called a DTS. It's a discipleship training course. And one of the first things that we had to do in the first week was we had to be in a group of friends, sort of like sitting in, sort of round in a circle, and each one of us had to take in turns to stand up on a bench, and we had to preach the gospel to the other people around us. And like, for someone who's grown up with the gospel all my life, I thought that was going to be really easy. So I just stood up, and I'm like, yeah, you know, in the beginning, and I started it off, and um, I was so confident that I knew the gospel so well, and I was, you know, just ready to share it. And then I talked about how Jesus came down, and he made himself nothing, and then he died the most horrible, most sacrificial death. And then it was quite embarrassing because I couldn't go any further. Because something, something within me moved that had never been moved before. And that's quite an unusual thing to happen for someone who's been brought up with the gospel all his life. And so I remember being moved by what Jesus did and how he served us in a way that I'd never been moved before. And so, you know, I just sort of choked up and cried a lot. And a lot of people were like, oh, it's so moving. <laughs> and I went home really embarrassed. But I think that was probably one of the moments in my life that Philippians 2, that I've read so much in my life, actually became a physical thing that I started to understand. It's like things in my heart started to shift. And I think it's so easy that we can, we can become hardened to the gospel. And so... When, I, when Jane asked me the question, how do I serve? And I think, you know, it's quite difficult to talk about the different ways in which I feel called to serve. There are lots of little things, and maybe because I'm 19, I'm still working it out. But, um, and every day is different. But I think what maybe I do know is how I can position myself to serve. And how I position myself to serve is to pray always and just pray for all my life that I would always continue to be moved by how Jesus served. 
and that I would always continue to not let myself become hardened to what Jesus went through. And so, um, yeah, I think the day that I become hardened to that and the day that I become hardened to Jesus' sacrifice is probably the day that I would stop serving. And so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I hope it's not too off the page. Thanks. So, what is our calling? Firstly, of course, we are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves. Secondly, in terms of the Great Commission, we are called to go and make disciples. We all have at least one person that we can reach out to, that we can pray for. If we look to the model of the early church, they were fully focused on their calling to tell people the truth about Jesus, to build extended families by praying together, sharing together, having meals together, sharing communion, caring for one another, and worshipping God as one body. In this way, their their mission and the church grew. There is a tendency for us to have our own concept of what the church is supposed to be like or supposed to do, based, I guess, on what we are used to and what we did in our childhood. The truth is, however, that God has clearly, clearly laid out for us in Scripture what, ministry, uh, what the ministry of the church is. We don't decide what the church's purpose is, or what it should do, its mission. God does that because it is his church, not ours. Our responsibility is to to determine how and where Jesus is working in our local community at this moment in history. For the past 20 years, this congregation has entrusted Simon and Kerry to lead us into the vision for this church. We trust them to wait on God, to learn from God what he wants to do here in Burlington. Our mission, our purpose, how we are to reach out to those Jesus wants to save. We need to pray for our leaders that they hear from God his desire for Burlington, what he wants us to do here in London Road. His kingdom, his will in us and in the world that we are part of. We've also entrusted Heather and Sarah with the vision and work for the children and the young people. And Paul has accepted the overwhelming task of engaging, of managing the practical work which enables the vision to go ahead. Alongside the trustees, Our leaders faithfully follow the Lord's plan for us, the church, and for the future. But it is in our network of small groups, missional communities, and other gatherings that we look out for each other and we lead new people to faith. We, that's you and me, we work out the vision 
on a daily basis. Let me give you an example. In the past month, life has been really difficult for Chris and me. Our friend, who was so ill, came to stay with us and died. And there were other complications around that as well. In the midst of this, two of our daughters have had serious health issues. Another had career problems. Three of the grandchildren had emotional crisis. And then our youngest got engaged and is trying to buy a house. It was all overwhelming. Looking back, I can see how the small group we belonged to rose up to stand with us. The men stood shoulder to shoulder with Chris in prayer. And we ladies had numerous phone calls, texts, cups of coffee, and most importantly, we prayed. Someone was on our doorstep every day to be with us. That is when you know the power of love, real, prayerful, loving support. When ministry becomes practical in our, in our culture and in our community. The Holy Spirit can and does make the ministry of the church effective, powerful. He alone changes lives. He alone has the power to grant new life in Christ, enabling us to live holy lives, to pray effectively, and to glorify God in our daily living. Our common bond in Jesus is the source of our fellowship unity. This is how we express the local body of Christ. When we are connected through loving relationships, we have a unity that provides strength and stability to the church. In the small groups and missional communities, the body of Christ cares, supporting each other in practical ways, in prayer and in love. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, we cannot help but respond by giving ourselves to love and serve him. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians. Everything we do in the home, with friends, in the car or at work is an act of worship to God. Paul writes in Romans, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, as in Christ God forgave you. And Peter said, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And of course, Jesus taught us the same lesson when he washed the disciples' feet. We may not be asked to wash each other's feet, but we can surely serve him by washing up each other's mugs and dishes. Please, don't get cross because I can't do something as well as you do, or because you haven't got the same gift as somebody else. We each have a part to play, and the body is not whole if you don't play your part. By dividing the gifts in this way, God encourages us to help one another, and thus the church grows. So, to sum up, it's very simple. God wants our love. He doesn't want our ability. He wants our availability. Available to love him 
and those alongside us to further his kingdom. Perhaps it's not always easy to love our neighbour. Perhaps it's not always easy to do that boring job day after day, unless we do it because we love God. Let all we do be for him, turning everything into worship of him, because he is worthy of all praise and thanks and honour. Amen.